Well, hello again, and welcome back. Uh, my name is Guy Stevens, and I am the founder and executive director of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. I want to welcome you for uh, joining us today. We've got a great program lined up. Uh, tell you a little bit about the Alliance, if you're not familiar with who we are. Uh, the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint has a mission to educate the public and connect people together who are dedicated about changing minds, laws, and policies and practices so that restraint and seclusion are reduced and eliminated from schools across the nation and beyond. Uh, ultimately, we want to make our schools safer for students, teachers, and staff, and we know that there are better ways. And if there are better things we can do, we need to do those. Uh, so I'm very excited today to have uh, Chelsea Bonini joining us for a live training event. I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in just a moment. I do want to let you know uh, that we will be taking questions during our presentation today. So sometimes uh, we take the questions uh, after the presentation today, we will take them at any time. So at any time you have a question, feel free to put something in the comment box and we'll bring that up and, and ask our speaker to answer your question. Also, uh, if you begin this and realize that you're not able to watch the whole thing, this will be recorded. We will actually multicast this both on Facebook and YouTube and the recordings are available at both places afterwards. We also have it available as a audio podcast after the fact. So before we introduce our guests, I'm going to introduce my co-host. We're having a little bit of a technical issue, so I'm not sure how well this is going to work. Uh, we seem to be having an internet problem um, for our co-host, so we'll give it a shot and see if it works. Uh, but regardless, we'll, we'll continue moving forward. So I want to begin by introducing you. Oops, it looks like, uh, looks like I may not have her here, but I'm going to go ahead and go through her introduction here, and we'll see if she comes back on the screen. Uh, I want to introduce you to my teammate here at the Alliance Against Seclusion Restraint, Pamela. Uh, Pamela is a really important part of the team here. Uh, Pamela believes in compassion, care, and empathy for the most marginalized, vilified, and often forgotten among us. Recently, it propelled her to actually run for school board in an effort to advance educational policy for special education and other minority children. So Pamela's actually run for school board before. She's hoping to continue the conversation uh, on research best practices and education policy. Pamela also hosts the State of Education podcast and recently started a group called the Moms of Black and Brown Children on Facebook. So Pamela, if you're there, um, say hello. And unfortunately, I see Pamela, but it looks like we do not hear Pamela right now. Uh, looks like looks like maybe we've... Uh, Pamela, can you hear me? Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like we might be having an internet issue here. So I'm going to go ahead and move forward and introduce to you today our special guest. Um, so we have a very special guest today, and I'm going to go ahead and bring up Chelsea on the screen here. Uh, Chelsea is an advocate for education, housing, mental health awareness, disability rights, and inclusive, inclusive communities. Uh, Chelsea was a kindergarten and first grade teacher in the mid-90s and began practicing law in 2001. In 2018, Chelsea uh, co-founded Not Without Us, a 501c4 nonprofit uh, corporation dedicated to achieving equality for children and adults with disabilities by and through training and tools to increase participation at all levels of democracy, such as the training we're going to have today, including elected roles to promote advocacy for shared knowledge uh, of rights and responsibilities and equal systems of opportunity and justice. <laughs> Chelsea served uh, a term as a school board trustee. She now sits on the San Mateo County Commission on Disabilities, and she is currently a candidate for the San Mateo County Board of Education. So Chelsea, welcome. We are really excited to have you here today for this presentation. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, we're, we're thrilled to have you. And this is gonna be a really great uh, training opportunity. We often talk about 
uh, how how people can affect change. And you know, there's there's certainly a lot of ways that people can affect change. Uh, they can try to affect change from the outside, you know, by uh, talking to the members of their school team or working with the board of education or working with elected officials. There's a lot of different pathways for affecting change. Uh, but of course, one way is from the inside, from, you know, from the inside of a board of education or other elected officials. So we're really excited today to have you presenting. And I'm going to go ahead and bring your presentation up on the screen here and uh, let you go ahead and take it away. And again, remind folks that uh, we are going to be taking questions throughout the presentation. So you're welcome at any time to ask a question. We'll see it there in the comments. And I see a couple of people have already said hello uh, in our comments. So we've got a couple of people watching out live now. Uh, so if you have any questions, feel free to put those in the comments and we will uh, address them there. So Chelsea, we can see your slide deck on. Uh, and Pamela, I can see you again. Hopefully, hopefully get to hear you. Um, and we'll go ahead and have Chelsea take it away. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Oh, I heard Pamela. So yeah, let, let's see if Pamela can introduce herself as well. Oh, she's trying. Oh, okay. I can hear yeah. you. Oh, she can hear us and we can hear it's her. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately it looks like we're getting yeah, voice or video. E either you're you're still in voice or you're moving it, it sound, looks like your internet connection might be, uh, you know, as these things sometimes work, it's it's when you've got something going on that the internet suddenly decides to slow down. Probably everybody, uh, you know, working from home and, you know, everything else. Okay, well, I'll, I'll start and then um, I'm sure hopefully that Pamela can chime in uh, with some questions as well. So um, the title of the presentation is Running for Local Office Demystified. Um, I chose the word demystified because oftentimes it seems like a, a really big lift to run for uh, elected office or sometimes even to apply for an appointed office. Um, and so my hope is that um, we can uh, try to make this seem as a little bit easier that people might, might want to consider doing it. We might be um, inspirational so that you might say, oh yeah, that doesn't seem so bad or that there are a lot of resources out there. So um, uh, Guy already gave a little overview of um, my bio and uh, Not Without Us, which is uh, the nonprofit that I co-founded with um, my partner, Steve Davis. And um, we decided to form this in 2018. We've gone through a lot of iterations. We've done a ton of research, but essentially our goal in this moment is to um, build a an ability for people to engage in democratic act, democratic action um, daily, you know, through many different different methods. As Guy pointed out, it could be that you're speaking at a meeting. It could be that you are writing letters or postcards, or you're talking to your legislators. And another way of being um, active and democratic is uh, running for office or seeking appointed office. Um, so. Uh, that's just a little bit about us, so I'm going to get started. So, um, running for local office. So, uh, so if you have decided to do this, or you're thinking about doing it, or you've never thought about it, but you you know someone who is, all all those categories will be uh, hopefully helped by some of this information. Um, once you're thinking about it, or you've decided, there are some really um, basic things, you know, to, to try to consider as you as you begin. And so I'm going to go through about six different items today. First, messaging. 
um, which is really has its own category here on this slide because it is very important. Um, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, then the, I'll just give you a quick overview. Uh, some of them are noted here, but fundraising, endorsements, budget, um, your field plan, which would be voter outreach and volunteers and, and those types of issues. Um, and then filings and compliance. Um, of course, when I first did the presentation, I had those up in the front and my uh, partner, Steve said, you know, that's, you're a lawyer. Uh, people wanna know about that, but don't, don't start with it. Uh, so, so it's at the end. Um, and then I'll have a couple slides on some tips and just some basic information that's somewhat a review of the other information and somewhat um, just a, a few other tidbits. Okay, so starting out with your message. Um, know who you are and why you're running. Um, usually people who decide to do something like this or even to be an activist of any sort, um, you have a reason, you have an issue, um, and you are a person and there are things about you that you have in your experiences um, that are leading you on this path. Um, and so you have to think about, you know, all of that, bring that all together. What is your vision? What values shape your vision? That's gonna be really important because you're gonna be talking about those throughout your campaign. Um, and also what networks have you developed um, uh, or you know, that support these goals? What have you been doing um, before you've decided to do this? You don't have to have been working day in and day out on the specific issue or there may be multiple issues, but maybe you've done some things and you should think about what they are so you can highlight them. Chelsea, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. So thinking about that idea of, of knowing who you are and why you're running, and this is going to sound like a strange question, mm -hmm. but are there good reasons and not so good reasons to run? So for instance, I mean, are, you know, I think sometimes, you know, I think probably one of the things that's really important is to understand the role somebody's running for. And, you know, I, I've met people before that have been running for roles that didn't necessarily have a grasp on what their impact might be. So, I mean, are, how, how do you shape that? How do you figure out if there's like a good reason to run for a particular position? Um, or are there sometimes reasons that you may end up not being satisfied with? Well, um, I think that in shaping or in, in coming to the notion of whether you're going to run and how you're going to frame that and what your vision is, um, it's important that it be somewhat... It has to be authentic, not somewhat mm -hmm. fully authentic. And so it really does need to be something that you have a passion for, that mm -hmm. you care about, um, that you've taken time to learn about. You want to be knowledgeable. You want to be, you know, um, come to it from an educated place. Um, and so there are things that you might want to change that are maybe beyond an office that you would seek or maybe doesn't perfectly align. But I come to... Um, running for elected office from the perspective of, you know, if you're interested in, in school issues, those could be specific to schools, but there are many overlapping mm -hmm. issues. Um, housing is an overlapping issue because we talk about um, housing in terms of supporting our community as a whole, mm -hmm. our, our workforce, our families. So that's an example where, you know, it could be applicable to any number of offices. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, your, your, um, your ability to make change isn't just limited to your office. It's it's the, the the place that you hold in your community in that office and the conversations, how that shapes conversations and um, makes uh, conversations possible in different venues with different people who are at their tables, you know, making decisions. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. 
Sure. Okay. Um, all right. So little little more information on sharing your message. So um, I've said a little bit of this already, but when you are starting to think about your message, um, you know, be authentic, be yourself. Um, the stories that you have throughout your life are going to shape the way that you can present things to people. You want to be able to connect with people as you are talking to them. Um, something that is often said in, in, in trainings that I go to, uh, to this, you know, all the time um, are, you know, people don't remember what you say, they remember how you made them feel. Um, did they feel like you were a good listener? Um, so that's my third bubble here, be an excellent listener. Were you, were you tuned into what they were saying? Were you trying to connect and make a relationship with them? That's the second bubble. Um, you know, your, your own story, um, being authentic is also being a little bit vulnerable, um, but it's, it's valuable in that that is exactly how people connect with the details of the story um, that you tell. And they find themselves thinking, oh, I've had that happen to me. And, and in fact, in the realm of um, uh, our work, my work with um, disabilities rights, uh, there are um, a lot of people who might think that's not my issue. But then when you talk to people, if you ask them what their relationship is to that issue, I've not met a person yet who doesn't know someone in, or have a family member or a personal experience with a person with a disability. Um, and so everyone kind of connects on that. So that that does help, you know, the work that I do as well. Um, and then, you know, it's not easy to share your message with people. Even if you're trying to be authentic and you're being in that vulnerable place, um, you might need to get out of your comfort zone. And another thing that's often said is, if it was easy, everyone would do it. So, um, so it's you're actually stretching, and it's it's a it's good um, to have that level of discomfort because it means that you're reaching out and you're trying to make you know people understand and make a difference. So, it's not not always easy, but it is it is definitely um, satisfying if you can make those connections, and that's how you start building. So that's so you know some initial thoughts on sharing your message, and then. Um, once you have sort of an idea of how you're going to frame it, what are your um, values? Are there three words? Are there, you know, some way you're going to share your message about your campaign? Um, you need to start practicing, right? You need to talk to people a lot. You might just call people and talk to them. And, and we'll get to the one of the most important parts of all of this, which is starting with fundraising. Um, you'll have lots of opportunities to talk to people and, and try different ways of saying what your message is. So um, you'll have to do that anyways, because one of the one of the things, as I note in this first bubble, is practice sharing your message and know your audience. People come from different places. They don't all understand your message in the same way necessarily. So you might have to, um, you know, change it just slightly or have a little different focus for, for different people, depending on what their specific interest is or where they are in the community or what their, um, you know, their own values are. Um, you don't want to change your values, but you do want to try to be able to try to communicate that to other people so that they can hear it. Um, so, you know, that's goes to my second bubble. And I, I give a reference here to um, Christina Harbridge. 
Um, and she has uh, draft, she has written a couple of books, one of which is Suede, and she was a trainer in a program that I was involved in. Um, and these are just a few tidbits from that, but I, I highly recommend her book and, um, and her work. Um, notice how others commit. That's, that's, you know, how, how are they listening? What is resonating with them while you're talking? Um, that will help you shape your message. Um, let people find themselves in your story. I think I, I might have said that on the prior slide. Um, describe what you are trying to share with them in enough detail that they can find something to relate to or they can envision what you're saying, like they are living it with you and they understand it from an em empathic place. Um, and then the last one is kind of different than that, which is own your own any negatives. You know, you'll be talking to people, you'll be starting to share your message and people will question you and they'll say, well, why do you think you can do that? Or how will you possibly do that? Or do you want, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll question. Um, or they might know something that you've done in the past that's different than what you're doing now and might raise it as a negative. Um, and the perspective on this is know that you can turn any negative into a response. Be, re be prepared. If you're prepared to answer, you can own it. Yes, I did that. Yes, I think that. Um, but this is how it, it's important for what I'm doing now. So try to try to use that. Um, it's, it's a, I guess, a very political thing to do in some ways. It's also a real person thing to do because nobody's perfect and we don't all follow a straight path. Um, and so as you're, you're evolving into what you think, you know, your message is going to be now and why you want to seek this office, you really should be keeping your authenticity and making sure you keep all those important parts and don't just not address them just because they're not part of your direct message or because you think it might be um, detrimental in some way. Maybe it's not. Um, so be ready for those. All right, fundraising. Um, fundraising is something that is integral to campaigning. It is hard. Again, anything that's hard is super important. The hardest things to do are the things you should do the most. So fundraising, you should start early. You should keep doing it. Um, you should have your goals set. So we'll go through a couple of, of things here. Um, begin as soon as you can. In California, and I'm sure it's um, a different filing, a uh, different form in other states, different announcement, you must file the certain form, which is the Form 501 in California, before you can solicit funds for a campaign. So um, you're you're not, it's not your, that you're filing to um, do your official papers and you're on the ballot. It can be any time before that, but you actually have to make a, a public statement through that form that you are planning to seek this office. Um, and then there are other forms, we'll talk about that later as I move that slide to the back, but um, where in California anyway, where you would, uh, if you reach a certain threshold of fundraising, you would form a campaign committee so that you could report those um, fundraisings in the appropriate manner. Um, okay, so how do you fundraise? Um, people do this in various ways, obviously. Um, a good place to start is make a list of all the things that you do. Find your resume. Find something that is a resume that you had three years ago that you pulled some stuff out. Go back to those old resumes and find the groups that um, and the people and the clubs and the volunteer work and the, anything that you've done and just sort of map them out. 
every single thing that you've ever done from all the way back to elementary school, probably, um, there are people that you may be connected with still or maybe aren't, but could become connected with. Um, and so those become your circle, your circle of, of friends, essentially, your circle of colleagues. And those are the people you're going to ask first because they are the people that probably will give you money even if they don't even know what you're running for, even if they don't even know your entire message, they know you're doing something, um, you know, uh, going out of your comfort zone and you want to make a difference and they want to support you. So those are the people you go to first. Um, so I'll go to the next slide. So when um, you start asking, you know, you make those, you make direct asks. Um, I'm going to start at the top of this, uh, this spiral. Don't be limited by voter region or residence. Um, some people will say, well, I live in um, a certain city. I'm gonna just be able to ask, I'm running for council. I'm just gonna ask people in that city. Well, clearly most people have people in their, their immediate circle of friends, that circle of friends that we were talking about on the last slide, who might not live in the region, might still give you money. And that might still be the case for other people. Um, going uh, clockwise around the circle, um, set time, set aside dedicated time for fundraising. You need to do this regularly. You need to do it, um, have an accountability partner, have somebody who's checking in on you. Um, my co-founder for Not Without Us, Steve, has a, he checks in on me. He says, did you make your calls today? And sometimes I haven't. And it's, you know, I'm like, no, I haven't, you know, done that yet. And it just reminds me, but it keeps me accountable. Um, and, you know, so you have to really do that. Um, Set reasonable goals, um, set goals. Uh, how much do you think you can raise in a day? What's your overall goal? How are you gonna get there in, in small pieces? Because when you break it down into a week or a day, or even, you know, you look at the month, it's a, it, it seems a lot more manageable, so it's less um, scary. Chelsea, can I ask yeah. you a question kind of in that vein? So, um, you know, obviously, um, the the answer to this question can vary a lot, depending on a lot of variables. But, you know, let's say that somebody wanted to run for a local school board role. Um, you know, I, I don't even have any idea in my mind, you know, what kind of money somebody might need and, and what they need money for when they're running for a position like that. So, I mean, can, can you give us any sense of, you know, for a very small, you know, um, you know, maybe a school board, local school board seat, obviously when you're getting into a state senator or, you know, uh, congressional roles, you're talking something much different, but, you know, what are we talking about in terms of funding? Like, what do you need funding for and what okay. kind of funding might so somebody expect to raise? So those are all amazing questions and a lot of them we'll get to on the slides, but just, um, and that are coming up, but some, some just basics are you're going to look at uh, what people have raised in your races in the past. What kind of a race is it, right? Just like you've know, you've um, identified, is it a smaller race? Uh, how many voters, it's essentially a question of how many voters do you need to reach um, and what methods are you going to use to reach them and what will be your support structure? Um, some people equate um, money and volunteers and they say, well, you could or endorsements that might give you advantage, you know, give you resources. So you want to know what you need for your campaign as a whole. And then you can parse down how much of that is going to need to be cash and keeping you going and what's your burn rate over your, your course of your, your mm -hmm. campaign. So a small campaign might be, you might need $10,000 or less, right? Mm -hmm. um, a large campaign, 
um, you know, countywide or statewide, obviously you could rise into hundred, you know, 200,000, maybe a million dollars. But we're talking about, you know, hopefully people just starting out and, and it's, it's, it shouldn't be overwhelming. And mm-hmm. um, so it's it's usually, it depends if you're going to do mail. There's a lot of virtual things going on right now. If you're, How many things are you going to print? Are you going to be able to canvas? Those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And, um, and where do people find out? So so I, I actually was aware mm-hmm. of a sta- uh, website in the state of Maryland that where mm-hmm. you could look up campaign finance contributions by candidate. Yeah. Um, is there something like that in every state or where does somebody go to find that information? Yeah, usually it's at the Secretary of State office. So for California, there's a um, FPPC. And that I think it's either through their, their uh, segment of the Secretary of State's office. So Hmm. I think it's there. um, And there are online portals. And if you're ever in um, need of finding out information, the local elections offices and the people who, you know, are are there um, are amazing. They, Hmm. they know where to find the information. They have voter files. You can you can go back now. The one caveat with finding information is there is a, uh, I think a ten year, at least in California, ten year limitation going back. So if you are um, challenging someone who hasn't, you know, raised money, uh, their campaign was longer than that ago, you're not going to be able to find that information mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. right there. Um, right, but but yeah, but it's there are resources and and that'll be the the very very last thing on the very last slide is you know ask ask for help because there mm-hmm. are tons of people out there who. Um, have tidbits of information and are always willing to help because people are excited when people want to take a, a leap and run for office. They're, they think that's really admirable and usually they want to chip in, whether it's knowledge, people love to give advice, um, resources, all of that. Um, so hopefully that that's helpful, but I'll get to more of that as great, we go. Great, great. Thank you. Okay. And then um, and then I kind of mentioned this in terms of setting aside time. I'm going around the spiral still. Um, be diligent about calling and make specific asks and know who you're calling. Um, call, make a schedule. If you can't call every day on a realistic basis, you know, then do it every other day. Do it when you can do it, but do it. Um, and make specific asks. Don't just call and say, will you donate to my campaign? Because I'm really, I need to raise a lot of money. You what what I do is I go through, and this is the the guidance that I've gotten through, you know, trainings and such, um, is I map out who I'm going to call. Um, I give, I, I mark them with a number uh, amount that I would like to ask them. Something that will I won't feel uncomfortable asking. Something that I think they might be willing to give. Um, any amount is stressful for some people because you don't want to ask at all, right? But put something reasonable, um, and the higher the better. Um, if they answer the question, um, that they, they're not sure they can do that, you know, uh, you might lower it and, and try, you know, try it again. Um, so there's a lot of ways to, uh, to do it. It is, it is the hardest part of campaigning. I won't, I won't lie about that. Um, and then, you know, know who you're calling. If you're calling somebody, um, people say do donor research. If you're calling somebody who, um, has a record of giving money to other things, then you should probably know that because if they're used to giving a thousand dollars to something, then that's their record in the community, and you can find that on different donor lists and and things and brochures that get sent out by nonprofits and things like that. Then if you go call them and ask them for fifty dollars, they're going to be a little bit, but they might they might give it to you, but that would have been a lost opportunity because they probably would have given you more. 
sometimes they might offer that, but, um, but know who you're calling if you can, if it's possible. And then um, online fundraising is the last. Um, that is also important, but you can't just rely on that. You can shoot out, I do this, I put out things on social media or I have things on my website. Um, but online fundraising, you should have a portal. There are different places to do that depending upon um, uh, you know, how complicated or how, how much setup you want, but there are different, um, there's Stripe and you can do things through Act Blue or other, other portals that do um, online fundraising and help you keep track of it for your reporting. If you're if you're doing that so okay so off of that next on to endorsements um, endorsements is also an early task but um, fundraising is is a little bit more important I mean endorsements are important they don't they don't win races but it depends on who they are and how much they're willing to contribute to your campaign and I don't necessarily mean monetarily I mean, will they talk about you? Will they tell you their friends about you? Will they, um, co you know, are they running a campaign? Will they walk with, walk with if you're doing canvassing or they're doing um, marketing of their campaign? Will they talk about you? Will they let you put their face on your flyer? All sorts of things like that. Um, so elected officials, of course, um, appointed officials, I'm talking about commissioners or other types of positions that are appointed usually by elected officials. Um, community leaders, there's all, there are all sorts of uh, organizations throughout your community. You may be involved with some. Some can make endorsements, some can't. Um, so, uh, you know, you can navigate that a little bit, try to figure out if there's an organization that, oh, they might be running a forum. Oh, they're thinking of doing an endorsement. They might just be an association of individuals, but they want to endorse it and they can. Um, friends, family, organizations, um, all organizations and then political parties, if that's in clubs and things like that, it's a kind of a, a little different category because usually rather than just calling and saying, um, will you endorse me? And sometimes I'll say, well, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to see who's running, you know, for individuals or electeds. The organizations usually have a very um, laid out schedule. They'll have an endorsement application. They'll have an interview, perhaps. Then they'll have a schedule on which they're releasing it. And then they have various things that they let you do. They'll let you use their logo. They might give you money. They might um, uh, provide volunteers to walk for you or to, to call for you or something like that. So they're all really important. But None, no, not, none of them or all of them together aren't necessarily going to, to win, but uh, help you win, but they will well, contribute to it, hopefully. Okay, um, so here's just a little bit more on endorsements. Um, just a little <clears throat> more advice, secure them early if you can, if, because if you have a, an opponent, you know, you want to make sure that um, you have a chance of getting the endorsement and that you're at least reaching out. Um, some people also might dual endorse. So you may be seeking a position, there's one seat, um, but you have two or three people running. Um, somebody who is an elected might say, well, I have you know different um, relationships with both of you, I'm gonna endorse you both, two of you. Um, that happens and, and I say, you know, that, that, that some people um, feel like that's not good, some people think it's fine. I think it depends on the race. Um, Beware of alliances. <clears throat> I say that because there are definitely um, chains of people within communities and within politics who um, sort of 
they'll endorse if their friend endorses. And uh, I don't know how to say it in a nicer way, but they, they kind of do what their, what their co, co you know, their, their alliances do. And, um, makes me think of survivor or something like that, but it, and it you know, it, it kind of is. Um, but you, you really, um, it's okay to ask people who might have an alliance with somebody who you don't, but I always, you know, suggest and try to ask people who I'm aligned with in terms of values and who people who I would be proud to put on my, my list. Um, that's not to disparage anyone. It's just to say that sometimes um, you're not in alignment on certain issues with people. So they may not be the people you want to ask. So just be aware of that. And then of the time-based processes, that's more for organizational uh, endorsements and questionnaires and things. So I'll move on. Um, here here we're, we have information about um, budgeting and your finance plan. So this is where, um, where Guy, you might you know look at these items to think, what am I going to need for my campaign and how much money am I you know, going to need to raise? Do I need all of these things? Do I need only a couple? Is it a very small race? Do I need staff? Maybe. Um, do you need administ are there administrative costs? Um, some of these things won't be applicable to a very small local campaign. Um, the field, you know, canvassing, maybe printing flyers to hand out. Um, uh, you have organizers, hopefully get volunteers to do a lot of this, modeling, how are you going to lay that out? What are the data sets, that kind of thing? And then how are you communicating and how much do those things cost? So you sort of need to map it all out so that you can match it up with your income on the other side, which is, as we've talked about, you're calling, asking people directly for money. Um, you have maybe surrogates. Um, maybe some people, you have a campaign uh, finance team or a fundraising team, and they're going to call and help you. Um, you know, that's more in the community. When you do those direct calls, that's the most impactful. Other people can't really do calls for you, but they can make requests like on social media, other things like that. So that's where I would recommend. Um, or by letters or by their own phone calls where they're encouraging people to support you. Um, but that's what a surrogate is. Um, you might have fundraising events. Uh, you might send out some direct mail, like just letters or postcards asking people to, to support you, give them a link to your um, your fundraising link to your, where you're going to be able to take in their credit card. Um, you might also include your address there and your um, campaign information, uh, your FPPC number in California where your, um, your campaign committee needs to be referenced. Um, so that or digital, maybe you're posting things on social media. So, um, and you're asking for, for donations there. There are lots of, lots of ways to get income. There are probably more than this, but here's just, uh, just those few listed. Um, okay. Um, this is a complicated slide, but I'll just give it a, a quick, um, quick uh, summary. Um, what is your win number? This goes to that, that question of how many voters do you need to reach? So it goes directly to your budget and your plan. Because if you only need to reach 2,000 voters, your budget is going to be much different than if you need to re reach 156,000 voters, as is noted on this slide. Um, as a, a point of fact, this is the slide that I use for my current campaign um, for San Mateo um, County Board of Education. I looked at the voters. Now, there are more voters now. There are over 420,000. Um, I looked at the most active, most high turnout races in the prior years, whether they were general or um, primaries. 
And then you do the, the calculation um, and uh, get the likely voter turnout. And then depending on how many then the additional complication comes in, depending on how many people are running for a seat or if there are three seats, five candidates, your numbers are gonna look different here. It's two candidates for one seat. So my goal is to get votes from at least 156,000 voters. Now we may have an even higher turnout given that all that's going on these days, uh, who knows? So it could be more than that, but that's kind of my baseline. I, I round it to about 150, 160. So do you have any questions about that guy? That's a little kind of interesting calculation. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's interesting to see, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting to see some kind of calculation, some kind of way to, to gauge, mm -hmm. because I mean, you know, I, I think for a lot of people that might be thinking about kind of an initial run for a school board or other type of position, you just have no idea, no idea where you might be starting. Um, yeah. So it, it's, I think, very helpful to have that. Uh, ask you in terms of budget, um, you know, you talked about things like staff and, and whatnot. What about uh, what about volunteers? I mean, a lot of people that are that are doing these kinds of things may have volunteers. And of course, you know, when mm -hmm. it comes to volunteers, um, you know, people often have good intentions and they may not have the ability to to follow through on them. So, you know, yeah. as somebody running for office, you might get, you know, promises, oh, I can do this or I can do that. And then quickly people are, are busy and have other priorities. So what do you have any advice or um, anything to say about kind of working yeah. with volunteers? I would say, this is what I do, you know, I would say go through your closest contacts, people you know have worked on campaigns in the past who might volunteer. I mean, your your best chance of not having to raise as much money is to um, be able to find, you know, trustworthy volunteers who are really going to step up for you. Um, it's a hard ask to make. That's almost as hard of an ask, I would say, as the the fundraising itself, mm -hmm. um, because you're asking people. You know, if you're asking them to volunteer, you're asking for a lot. Um, you you might try to pare it down and say, well, it shouldn't be that much time, and you can make it whatever you want it to be for a volunteer. But the more volunteers, the better. And you you're going to need people at different levels if that's your grassroots volunteer. Usually, local campaigns are a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, so you need maybe some people to organize. Um, some field work that you're going to do some phone banking and you need people to know these are the, you know, these are the links to go to. Now it's all online, makes it a lot easier, but, um, you know, organize it for you in a way. Cause that's stuff you as a candidate, really, you should be working on fundraising. Mm -hmm. You should be working on other things. Maybe not, that's not your best use of time. And so, um, so people to do that and, and you're right, you know, you can't always guess just like having employees or, or other people who volunteer for organizations, you don't know who is necessarily going to follow through. Mm -hmm. um, but I try to be positive and try to, you know, talk to people and make sure they understand the expectations and the needs that, that I might have mm -hmm. for whatever it is. And hopefully they'll be willing. And then mm -hmm. on the other side, the people who are doing, you know, a lot of the um, groundwork, you know, are you walking? Are you calling? Are you writing a postcard? Um, I try to make it really, uh, really accessible, mm -hmm. you know, not asking people to write a hundred postcards, you know, I'll say, will you write 10? Um, because if you get them to write 10, they'll probably write more. Um, right. So it's sort of that catching, capturing them in this, in the small way. And then they go, oh, that was really easy. Well, I'll do 40 more. Mm -hmm. um, and so that happens a lot. Um, so I think it's just important to know who, again, know your audience, know who's, who's out mm -hmm. there. And then in terms of, you know, bigger things, there are people who will do internships. Um, mm -hmm. 
that's also a volunteer. Um, and, and maybe you do want to hire someone. Maybe you can find mm -hmm. a college student. That's mm -hmm. pretty um, common. Um, in terms of, idea. yeah, of interns, I have a couple of high school interns who are just going to be starting working on my campaign. And, you know, they're on distance learning. They are, um, you know, trying to get things on their, their mm -hmm. high school transcripts and resumes. Um, and so uh, they're interested in politics. So I'm letting them do some of my, uh, you know, develop some of my messaging and maybe do um, some policy research. So it's kind of neat to, That's to great. explore yeah. who you right. could reach out to. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I, I also really like what you said about being specific about your ask. You yeah. know, whether whether you're fundraising or asking a volunteer or asking a staff person to do something, you know, being specific. And I, I also like what you kind of mentioned about like, you know, especially with a volunteer, not not overloading them with what you're asking mm -hmm. them, but you know, just you know, getting getting a contribution. And if they're able to yeah. do more, fantastic. I think that's right. a great great message. Yeah. So. Hopefully that works most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're talking about um, volunteers and what they'll be doing. That's kind of this kind of field plan. This isn't a complete list by any means, but it is um, sort of a, a little bit of a summary. So I'll just start from the top uh, and then go across and then go down. So um, volunteer coordinators, that's sort of what I was talking about as a higher level person who would be willing to communicate with other people essentially and, and help them know what to do. That's an important task, somebody who, who will be willing to do that, whether it's a volunteer or not, um, just so you're not doing that. Um, analyzing, well, maybe not analyzing, but figuring out what data you need. Um, if you have a, a tech type person who's willing to kind of crunch some data for you, there are places you can purchase data um, in different segments. You can say, I just want to talk to all the um, certain party of voters uh, that are over 50 and who voted really recently. You can you can get that specific data. Um, you can also get it from the county elections office and you can call it yourself, but there's way to, ways to buy it where it's already processed. Um, so what are your volunteers gonna be doing in this field? They're maybe walking, they're calling, they're texting, they're maybe writing things. Many other tasks could be there. Um, you're securing them, we kind of talked about this. You're clear, you're um, trying to get them to help because they care about your campaign. You want to be super welcoming. Um, when you ask them to do a task on a certain day that's, you know, kind of uh, scheduled, you want to make sure and you do a lot of reminders, not because you want to be annoying, but because people have a lot of things going on, especially now with everything online, you know, people have, if it's not on their calendar, they're not going to do it. And they might even forget even still because it might get double booked or something. Um, so reminding and then thanking them for every every little thing they do because people's time is very valuable. And so um, if someone takes the time out of their day to help you do something that is something you care about, it's you know, you have to you have to be very grateful for that. Um, canvassing and direct voter uh, contact, you know, walking house to house, we're not doing that today, um, but it is really the most impactful way to get information from voters personally. And um, even if it's other people gathering it for you or you're doing it as a candidate or um, to uh, to connect with voters. Um, and so it's, it's not possible right now 
but some people are doing lit drops and things. I'm personally not comfortable with that yet, but there's a lot of what we're calling now virtual canvassing. Things that were happening before, but now they're really happening. Um, like the phone banking and the vote, the phone uh, uh, text banking and other ways of um, using uh, social media and other ways to connect like we're doing now, like Facebook Lives and other things. Um, and then uh, targeted, uh, this is more to walking, but um, you know, getting those targeted groups of data who who's likely to support you, likely to vote. Um, there's this this theory uh, of you know who are the best voters to reach out to, right? Are, are they the voters who never vote? Probably not. Are they the voters who always vote and they're usually going to vote for your party? Depends on if it's a partisan race. Probably not. They're probably not the people you need to really convince. The people who are the best to reach out to are, you know, you know you have maybe these people, the people who you might have to convince a little bit. So um, they're kind of on the, the threshold. And if you can just get to them and communicate with them, maybe they'll vote for you. Um, so those are the people you want to want to reach to. Um, and then the last two boxes on the bottom are really just um, how how we utilize the canvas or the, the um, field work that we have done, whether it's walking or calling or texting, um, how are you uh, learning from that data and, and fine tuning it as you go, right? How, how do you know, you know, have you tried to reach out to this person a bunch of times, they didn't respond in any of them? Okay, you're probably going to move on to other voters. Have you followed up? Um, in terms of walk on the qualitative data, um, on neighborhood walkability or message resonance. Maybe it's not walkability, but maybe it's um, message resonance. You know, you have a script for your phone calls and are people responding well? It's that um, knowing who, if they're uh, connecting with what you're saying or what your messaging is. Your callers will be able to tell you that. If you're doing calls, you'll be able to learn that. So it's just a feedback loop. So that's, that's kind of what that's about. Um, Here's that ominous uh, filing requirements slide. For California, this is sort of the initial filing. Um, the 501, as I mentioned, you have to file that locally. When local means with the local elections office. FPPC is our state uh, level secretary of state office. So it has to go to both. Um, uh, that's before you can do any soliciting, any fundraising. Um, when you get past a certain threshold in California, it's $2,000. Um, you have to file uh, you, the form 410, which forms your, your committee, essentially. And um, then, you know, you could uh, get a, an EIN, a federal tax ID number, um, open a bank account. And you're going to want to do that if you're, if you're raising that money. You want to keep it. You have to keep it separate from your own money or your own bank accounts. And then in California, you have all these filing uh, uh, timeframes under for the FPPC, and that's Form 460, and that's uh, semi-annual, annual, and there are all these pre-election reports that come due certain days before the election date. So those are some some of the filings. There are other things that have to happen, but um, that's kind of an overview. And then just some reminders. Um, remember, your campaign, once you, you start it, and then especially if you have a campaign committee, it's a legal entity. Um, one of my other hats is I am a corporate attorney. So I form companies, I form nonprofits. So it's this is a, a concept that I understand, but it's also kind of a foreign concept to some people. You, you have obligations as that entity to do the filings, to keep things separate, to, you know, to do there are some, you know, legal entity type issues. Um, uh, complete filings accurately and on time. 
this is important. Um, there could be penalties. There could be other things that accrue if those aren't done properly. But mostly you don't want your opponent knowing, you know, seeing that you haven't filed things properly. That would not be good. Um, so uh, consider hiring a treasurer is my note because um, it's those, the forms, at least in California, they're quite complicated and they take a long time to do. So if you can find somebody to be your treasurer, whether it's an entity, a, a firm, or a person who understands these forms, I highly recommend it because it's, uh, I've done that in my campaign now and it's so much better than not having done it. Um, another quick note on um, these aren't the same filings as the ones above, but when you do go and, and file to actually run and pull your papers and do your filing, <clears throat> um, your ballot designation, uh, I have it on here because it was sort of another summary slide, but it's super important. Um, three words in, in, in California um, on, on what you can put on the ballot. And so that's uh, something you need to, to consider. Lots of rules surround that. And then um, again, on the budgeting aspect, find out how much your fee will be to submit a ballot statement, or perhaps there is um, a filing fee uh, for uh, races, local races in California, in our county, there aren't filing fees, but there is a fee to put um, your your candidate statement on the in the voting materials, and it it's based upon uh, some formula that they have, but it's based upon how many voters it has to go to. So if you're running a small city race or a school district race, it'll be a lesser fee than if you're running like a countywide race. Could be two thousand um, dollars. Could be seven thousand. So you have to keep that in mind when you're doing your budgeting too. And that is a question you can ask the elections office. Um, so we are to the uh, last couple of slides and I have noted them as tips and tricks, but some of them are review. Some of them are uh, just a couple extra ideas. Um, I'm gonna just flip to this. So, um, so uh, always print your materials with a union printer. Um, at the union bug. And if you're not sure what that is, you can look it up pretty easily. Um, but um, even if you are not a, um, you know, you're not a recipient of the endorsement from labor or you are not, um, you know, seeking that or whatever, um, it's always recommended that you print it with the with a union printer just because it just shows a lot of solidarity. It is, it, it, and it is, and it's probably, you, you want to do that perhaps out of your own values um, for, for those, um, you know, for that, what that stands for and what that is. Um, so that's recommended. If you have questions about that, I'm happy to answer them. Um, campaign treasurer, as I mentioned on the prior slide, highly recommend that. Um, consider data sources and voter outreach platforms. So I mentioned that you can buy data. There's a couple different places you can buy it from, you can get it from, and then the outreach platforms are growing by the day. You can outreach, um, uh, you know, uh, there are online canvassing, online phone banking, online, you know, text banking, um, ways to reach out to your your friends, to have them reach out to other people. Uh, one uh, resource is called Outreach Circle. Another one's called Outvote. There are just, there are a lot of these popping up there. Some have been around for a little while, but they are useful in the virtual world. Um, and uh, some people use them in different ways. Um, fourth box, um, put your team together. That's sort of, I've mentioned that. Do you have somebody managing your whole campaign? 
you have volunteer coordinators. Are you sort of managing it, but you have a lot of volunteers and a couple people who will step up to do that? Um, that's going to be really important. Kitchen cabinet. That's sort of like volunteers. It's more the people who you trust and who you can um, get some good, solid um, advice when you need it on what's going on for your campaign or who to reach out to. Some kitchen cabinets are small, some are larger. It just depends on your campaign and your needs or they may vary from time to time. You might have people who want to talk about policy and that's a great place for that. Um, you don't want it to be too many people because you, you know you want to you want to stay focused when you have those meetings, your time is valuable, but you definitely should have people who you can bounce ideas off of and they might say, oh gosh, I wouldn't do that. Or they might just be all in on it. And that'll give you uh, confidence as you move through the different aspects of your campaign. And then um, self and opposition research. Um, you need to know what's out there about yourself. And you not just know for your message, right? Um, but know, if somebody's going to pop up with something that they were able to Google and know about you. Um, again, those are the hard question type things and, and hopefully you can not explain, but you can say, well, um, this is something that, that was the case and I'm doing this and the reason that I'm doing this now is I learned from that or whatever your message is. Um, or maybe it's that you spun it into something, something wonderful or maybe it wasn't you, but you wanna be able to answer that. Um, you're going to make that a negative if it is such, you know, into a positive if you can and use it for yourself. Um, but know what's out there. And then did you? Yeah. I was just going to jump in real quick and say that, you know, you know, thinking about different kinds of people that might uh, run mm -hmm. for office. I mean, um, you know, um, I even know some some very young people that have expressed an interest in potentially running for office. We we have a, a young man that's part of our team that that I sometimes call uh, Senator Campbell mm -hmm. because I can imagine him at some point <laughs> running for office and, and being successful. But you know, th there's probably a bit of good advice there for for people that are very young in terms of being mindful, not just for colleges, but if if you plan to run for office one day, the internet is forever. You know, yeah. things that get posted online kind of live there forever. So, do you have any other yeah. advice in terms of? Uh, you know, what people may or may not want to do even now to to prepare for something later down the road. Yeah, it's interesting. I have um, don't have a slide on, say, social media um, and how you would do that different for personal, for campaign. There are people who when they start their campaign, they'll just sort of scrap their personal uh, social media. But in terms of just as it develops over time for young people, um, right. You know, if you have a, a, a child who's going to be applying to colleges and things, you want to, you know, give that they, they're, they're getting that advice from various sources. But you want to make sure people are sort of curating their own uh, profile on social media and not putting things out there that would be damaging in some way or might not reflect your values um, or that somebody might use. Um, you know, there there are probably lots of philosophies on that, but I think that it's it is important to think about. And, um, and people will say it's important to keep your personal uh, social media separate from your campaign. You should, you know, perhaps maybe have a Facebook page or something or whatever social media platform you, you like, um, uh, you know, to, to have your campaign things. Um, you have to get people to follow it, as you know, that's a, the whole um, science of social media, right? And so sometimes it's you have more followers on your personal page, so you, they sometimes merge. I would say mine merge. Um, I post on both pages, um, so that kind of thing. But but yeah, it's it's definitely something that um, you want to intersperse. That's a whole nother, I think, a whole nother uh, 
presentation, but intersperse, yes, this is my policy. Yes, I'm asking you for money. Yes, my dog is cute, you know, whatever. And dogs are very popular, I guess, on the, on campaigning. Um, they get a lot of, a lot of likes. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so, I, you know, you want to, you want to balance it. Um, so hopefully that's somewhat helpful, but, but that's exciting too, that, that, you know, somebody who's super young, who wants to run. I think there are a few people in our local community here who are similarly young, you know, coming out of high school, college, who are thinking of running for you know, council or a school board. And it's really exciting. Um, yeah, we, we have a recent college graduate in our community um, that is running for a school board position. And, uh, you know, he, he went to the schools here and that's part of his campaign is kind of, you know, I've been through these schools recently and, um, you know, really admirable to see, you know, somebody just just, you know, getting out of college at once to run for a seat like that. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah. Um, and then that's the last point on this last slide, too, is the opposition research. I mean, you may not be the person who is going to go, uh, hopefully you're not going to go and attack your opponent in some way on your, your flyer or say something that's um, not nice. But you want to know what their positions are and the opposition research helps you with that. Um, and you might want to know if there's something, you know, whatever's out there about them, just like you want to know about what's out there about you. Um, so that you know what people are seeing if they were to do some some research. And then last but not least, a few more on this. Um, this is the final, you can do this, because really I think that going through the, the steps, anybody really can do this, but you do need to have a support structure. You know, you have to, you have to want to do it. You have to have time to sort of figure out how to do it and to implement it. Um, so here are last few, um, few words of advice. Develop your personal image and brand. Um, it's, I guess, a, a bigger thing, but it's more on the messaging, more on the marketing. Um, be authentic. Um, make sure it matches. It doesn't matter if it's red, white, and blue, or, you know, whatever colors you like. It, it has to give you joy, too. You know, my campaign has a lot of bright colors. I use, you know, purples and um, blues, because those are the, and kind of, you know, like some of the blues here in this presentation, those are things that make me happy. I, I like color. And so I feel like that, that, um, translates my personal, um, uh, you know, my personality. So that, that is something that is important to do. So that takes a lot of forms in your brand. Um, differentiate yourself, make yourself relevant. Again, what are you doing that someone else isn't doing? Um, what are, what have you done? And it's relevant to this office that you're running for is relevant to the work you've been doing for years. It's just a different take on it or a different way to be an advocate um, or a different way to try to make change or participate in democracy. Um, and then um, direct contact with voters, super important. This is much harder to do today than it was six months ago. Um, so how are you going to do it and how, how are you going to make that work? Um, a lot of us are doing virtual town halls, virtual chats, everything virtual, right? Um, and then trying to do phone calls as well. That's not as good as in person, but it's, it's, um, it's a little more personal than doing something online sometimes. Um, develop a campaign calendar. You have a, we talked about uh, on a couple slides, the different filing requirements and when things have to be be done and, and how much your budget's gonna be and what your goals are gonna be. You have to align all of that to know 
when your goals should be you know, set um, for fundraising and how much you're going to need by what time and when do you need to pay your filing fee for your, your campaign. Um, so that's important. Um, and then self-care. Um, campaigning can be hard. It can be all consuming. Um, most people also have other things going on, family, jobs, um, other uh, activities they like to participate in, um, their kids, their spouses. So but that's don't a great, them. great point to see in there. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point to see in there because yeah. it, it really is easy. And I, I mean, I, I was going to ask you kind of in that vein. I mean, um, you know, I, I imagine the scenario and I've known the scenario of, you know, um, you know, mom or dad working full time. Uh, decides they want to run for a school board position or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're already working full time. And then, you know, running for a position like this obviously has a, a lot of a demand to it for at least a period of time. What I mean, what what do you think in terms of the kinds of hours that somebody might be devoting to this? I mean, is this, uh, you know, potentially 20 plus hours a week? Uh, you know, what, what kind of time are people putting into uh, this? And how how do people do that that are, you know, full time? Yeah. Um, so how do people do that? I get that question from people a lot. How do you do all of those things that you do? <laughs> and I honestly don't know. I just do them, right? I fit them in. Um, I, I personally have a flexible schedule, so that's a different, different topic, but you fit it in. I would say the average person, I don't know, I probably can't really estimate, but it's probably about 20 or 25 hours a week. Right, and right. most people are doing things, if it's um, normal times, they're going to networking events, they're um, going out a lot of nights, evenings, a lot of public um, uh, meetings are in the evenings as well. So you need to account for the fact that you're going to be doing that. Maybe you're attending the meetings you're hoping to get elected to, right? Because you want to know what's going on, you should be doing that. Um, and so you're practicing kind of being occupied during those evening hours Hmm. but but most people who kind of take this route they're pretty busy people anyway Hmm. so it's more of a realignment or reallocation of your time um but maybe it's like yeah maybe it's about 20 hours a week i would say with the work i do it's you know nights sometimes you know uh it's evenings and attending things sometimes i make time in the morning before i start my actual job work um to to go over a few things or to make some some calls when's the right time to do that maybe you take a break in the middle of the day catch people when they're on their lunch break Mm -hmm. so yeah there's just that that's a that's definitely a consideration and it's going to impact your family Mm -hmm. you know um hopefully they'll be supportive um you kind of need them to be maybe sometimes they might not like you spending all that time but um you need to balance it out i think with uh attention you know to to your own to your own family mm-hmm. um so yeah it can be challenging i think it ebbs and flows as the campaign goes along and then of course if you're when you're elected um so uh so in the last very last note i don't i alluded to it before but ask for help if you need it um there are a lot of resources um you can uh, my information is on the next slide and you can reach out to me with questions. I know of a lot of different resources in different regions. Um, There are uh, just a lot of um, local, you know, campaign managers, programs that train candidates even, you know, in more depth um, than this really quick overview, I would say. Um, And there are other components to all of this as well. But I'm hoping that this kind of gives a a general idea that it's e- not easy to do, but it's 
possible to do. And that if you really want to try, you know, your hand at being at the table where the policies are made and being able to have that voice and advocate from the inside rather than the outside, or maybe you're you know, doing both in certain instances, um, you, you can do it. Fantastic. Uh, th this is really great. And I think, uh, again, you know, the, the hope is that, you know, this reaches some people that might have been thinking about doing something like this. I'm going to go ahead and take your slide deck down here okay. uh, and pull this up on the screen. Uh, but hopefully this reaches people that have been thinking about this. And, and you know, I mean, again, um, you know, certainly when it comes to things like school boards, you know, um, from our perspective, uh, from the Alliance Against Exclusion and Restraint, uh, I know from my own experience and talking to families from across the country, we need more people on school boards that understand some of the issues that are unique to special education, that are unique to, uh, you know, children with disabilities. And, and you know, I'm, I was surprised in my own instance to find that sometimes there was very little knowledge about some of these issues. So it's so important for people um, to think about, um, you know, how they might be able to participate in something like this. Yeah. So we, we had a couple of general comments I just wanted to bring up here real quickly. Okay. And I'm hoping Pam's audio will be working because Pam Pam had run for a board of education seat. And that was one of the reasons I wanted her to join us here today. Um, and uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get a couple of questions for Pam. But let me pull a couple of these comments up here real quick. Uh, Callie said, uh, love to be connected with someone for more information. So interesting. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, our own uh, Alexa said, this is such great info. I've always wondered this. Uh, about the resume info. So when you were talking about the the resumes, yeah. uh, Jennifer mentioned that the campaign prepares a person for the extra time that will be required by the office. Um, you know, I think which is a, another good point is that you've got to build. If you're doing this, if you're going to be running, you're going to need to spend time once you're hopefully elected. Yeah, it's, it's about that part, right? You just right. need to get there first. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, Let's see. Uh, so something else from Jennifer, your point about who you reach out to is great. Uh, when I ran precincts, we did the most outreach to swing voters. Virginia has the party each voter chooses for primaries, their whole history. Preaching to the already converted is getting is more getting uh, commitment to vote. Yeah. So which is also important, encouraging people to remember to get out to vote. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Pam, I, I'd like to see if we can get you if you have any questions. Um, so maybe we can try you to bring your audio on. And, and one suggestion is if, if your audio is breaking up, we can always try turning off your video and seeing if that works. So did you have any questions, Pam? Okay. It looks like you're muted still. So. Oh yeah. All right. Hopefully we'll. We'll have to do another, another thing with Pam because I was super interested in hearing about her campaign as well and yeah and in fact that's how i think i first uh yeah. heard about pam was her her campaign uh let's see if we i'm gonna try to unmute her um i should be able to let's see if i can unmute there we go pam you're unmuted can you uh, hear us Yay. and it looks like uh, why don't you turn off your video if you can? Let's see if that makes it so we can hear you better. Seems like the internet has gotten overwhelmed there. Uh, can you guys happens. hear me? We can I hear can. you now? Yeah. I think we must be dealing with a delay.
Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see if she comes back here. But but you know that's how I first. There we go. She's got her uh, video off. So oh, let's see if her. Let's see if her audio sounds better. Pamela, can you um, say something? Yeah, it's slow. You can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you now. Did you have a question or something you wanted to bring up? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. The question may be, Great. can she hear us? Well, it was a really wonderful presentation. I really... Yeah, it was a really wonderful presentation. Um, yeah, it definitely... Uh, when you feel like when you feel like your advocacy is not uh, enough, I guess, or you've done like all you can do, running for office is definitely another great avenue for you to be able to get the message out and do more work. So I would everybody and anybody. Is, you don't see. Uh oh, looks like we lost her. Uh, looks like she went back to mute oh, for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's a great point that Pamela brings up is that, you know, when you feel like and your advocacy is not enough. Uh, well, we heard most of it. We you you muted it at the very end. Thank you. Okay. So, um, Chelsea, any, any final parting words or, or final advice or, you know, uh, things that you would say to, you know, cause let's face it, uh, people are sometimes on the fence about something like this. So right. how, how would you move somebody off the fence that's been thinking about running for a local election elective uh, position? Yeah. Well, interestingly, you know, sometimes when there's a, a school board seat or something open locally in our County, some of my my friends will say, I want you to talk to this person to see if, you know, maybe you can tell them something that will make them change their mind or really get them to do it. And mostly it's the the message I would say that, you know, it's not as hard as you might think. Um, certain races definitely can be more difficult. Um, you want to pick, I didn't go over that point. You want to pick a race that if you can, or there's an open seat, that would be ideal. Um, you know, that would give you uh, at least a better chance of, of winning, perhaps. Um, but I think that no matter what, as long as you have a little bit of time and you have a message that is going to resonate with people in your community and you are a very um, authentic person and you're comfortable at least uh, communicating that and you make it better as at it as time goes on but you're you're willing to to throw your hat in the ring and try it people are um, really supportive of that and so you just need to build find who your people are and your allies around you and I think that'll take you really far mm -hmm. and it, it can be done and I think it's really important especially um, the work that you're doing and the work that I do on the disabilities front, there aren't nearly enough people who um, are persons with disabilities or who understand that enough or that are, um, I would say, courageous enough to raise that as a key issue in policy. And it needs to be. And so until we get more people um, in offices that are um, you know, willing to do that, we're not going to see enough 
you know, change in policies. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So that's that's really the key. I mean, I don't I don't say you shouldn't continue to advocate on other fronts, but I do think that changing the policy requires having a vote to change it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what you're saying relates really tightly to this question we just got yeah. from Jennifer, which was, as a candidate who got in because of disability rights, do you focus mm -hmm. um, do you focus uh, a lot on that, or do you try to spend more time reaching the broader audience? Um, what is the percentage of time you spend on disability rights to other issues? Yeah. Um, is it why is the campaign mostly on your niche? Um, I think you have to balance it. It's definitely built into my platform has about five key points and three of them have to do with these issues. Um, maybe tangentially, tangentially on some of them. Um, but I talk about um, the things I care about because that's what I feel comfortable talking about. And there are other issues I care about and they aren't things I won't focus on, but I don't shy away from it, but I have gotten um, some uh, feedback from people early on, like, well, are you just running for special education? You know, that kind of thing. And, I, and I'll say, well, it's a definitely an area that we need improvement in. So I'm going to focus on it day one, but I'm not just running for that. I care about all kids. Um, you know, I have two kids, one who has disabilities and one who doesn't. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we all have our, we all come to things from a different place, um, but you really just need to be, number one is just be authentic mm -hmm. and present your, your, your passion for what you do from your heart mm -hmm. really and go from there. Um, Fantastic. Well, great advice and, and really appreciate you joining us today to, to talk about this. Um, uh, oh, it looks like uh, it looks like Pamela just uh, asked the question. So um, let's see. She had a question about fundraising. Uh, how how do you raise more funds? So, you know, you kind of talked throughout the presentation of kind of connecting to people. But what other kinds of fundraising things might you do to try to raise additional funds? Um, there are so many ideas. We have some really, um, I would say, uh, creative local candidates lo here uh, in San Mateo right now. People are doing events of all different sorts. They're engaging the community. They're doing auctions. Like my friend Lisa did an auction with small businesses where people donated. And then some of those donations, I think, went to them to support the work in, that they're you know, the support they need in the community with the pandemic, but it also made built awareness for her campaign. I don't know how much of, you know, that went to her fundraising, but maybe some of it and maybe people, maybe she built goodwill and then that that's how other people will know about it and want to donate. So um, events, um, you know, getting people to be on host committees, there's all different ways of doing that, um, but it just requires a uh, some organization. Yeah, she, she, had, she had a kind of a point to it that kind of essentially that, you know, especially if you don't have a big network. So if, if mm -hmm. you're just, oh, yeah. you know, a, a mom or a dad, um, you know, but don't have a big, uh, you know, network of connections, you know, what, what type of, you know, what type of fundraising opportunities? Well, might... I, I would always say that your network is bigger than you think it is. Um, you may, people will say, well, I'm just this and I, I just do this in my community. But if you really sit down, um, I covered this on, you know, one of the early slides. If you sit down and really think about all the things that you have done over your life and you have to be, again, brave because you're fundraising. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but think about, wow, um, what, you know, maybe it was college or maybe it was um, a union that you belong to, or maybe it's a nonprofit that you work with. Um, the one thing I didn't mention was in terms of growing that circle is that you will have more connections than you know about. And then you need to be brave to ask those other people for their connections. Mm -hmm. Not if maybe they will reach out or maybe they'll give you their lists. Ask them, you know, can I reach out to your friends? Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a, a very good way of doing that, maybe they will share that with you. So it's, if you don't ask, you won't know with anything. So ask lots mm -hmm. of questions, ask for help, ask for connections, ask for money, <laughs> ask for everything. Um, and, and don't, it's not for you personally. It's it's for for the community, for your, for the purpose that you're running. Mm -hmm. That's what you're asking for this money for. You're not asking for it for your personal use. Um, you're asking for it to make a difference, and people do understand that. And sometimes that removal from it's not being asked for yourself. Sometimes that helps people make the ask a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So maybe mm -hmm. just reframe what you're asking. For. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and Jennifer weighed in again. Said house parties can be great. Meet and greet yeah. new candidates, but again, COVID. So the world, the world Virtual, is definitely right? di yeah different right now. So I mean, how have you changed your strategy in relation to you know COVID and and. A lot of virtual. Um, yeah. So what I do is I've launched doing virtual house parties and I try to make it um, as one of my friends yesterday uh, thanked me. She said, thank you for making this such a turnkey process. And I thought, oh, that makes sense. So I'll, I, I make it really easy. I have a sign up where people can, I've logged out um, section or time on my calendar. I have a sign up on Calendly where people can just go straight in reserve a time to do a house party because it was really hard to coordinate it. Um, and then once they do that, I make a flyer. I send them an email that they can send. I do a link through Zoom and I send it all out to them um, and then they can circulate it. And so it makes it really easy to get the word out. Um, and those are sometimes they're just meet and greets and sometimes they are going to be um, coming up soon. They will be fundraisers where I will also have say like um, a speaker come. Uh, one of uh, my endorsers is, you know, former state superintendent. So she's going to come and do a, a she's going to speak at one of them and encourage people to donate money. And that'll be a crowd that, you know, they have been told it's a fundraiser. So come mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we'd like you to contribute if you can. And so, um, so you have different types of those. And then I've also done town halls where I've just invited the community to talk about an issue and that's gone fairly well. Um, without a lot of monitoring, right? Just coming into a Zoom room and people being polite and listening to each other on an issue, um, a lot around COVID, a lot around returning to school or not. Um, teachers, unions, presidents have come on and spoken and um, shared their um, advocacy work they're doing before school boards. And it's been really interesting. And it's also, um, when you canvas and do the in-person things that you do, you learn so much from the voters and mm -hmm. from the community. Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way to still get that information, I think, without being able to be there in person. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. those are just a few things I'm doing, but I think that there are a lot of other ways to do that. And I'd say anything you do, you could roll it into a fundraising mm -hmm. aspect mm -hmm. and don't feel bad about it. You need mm -hmm. money for your campaign. You need to find ways to get it. Gotcha. 
Great, great. So, so hopefully you can come back after you uh, after you win your election, right? Hopefully, yeah. All right, fantastic. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you doing this today. And again, you know, the, the hope is always that somebody out there might be inspired by this and uh, launch their own uh, campaign. And of course, you shared your contact information. We're going to have this available as a uh, recording on YouTube and Facebook for people to go back and look at. So we'll we'll make that uh, available. And as Pam said, we're rooting for you. Um, yeah. Absolutely hope to. to see you successful. But again, just want to thank you and, and Pamela. Um, sorry, we had some technical difficulties here today. Uh, but thanks for joining. And fortunately, we were able to work through some of them and uh, get some of your questions in. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, sometimes the internet does not cooperate the way that it should. But you know, thank you both for this. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up and uh, uh, make some announcements here. So thanks again. And, and we'll look forward to seeing you again in the future. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, Pamela. So just a quick announcement here. Um, so we have another um, live event scheduled in two weeks. Uh, our guest at that event, uh, we're going to have uh, uh, Emma Vanderclift, who you might have seen her book, Talk to Me. And uh, this is her latest. It's uh, What Educators and Others Can Learn About De-Escalation from Hostage Negotiators. Really interesting book about making connections with people. Uh, and of course, she has a tremendous uh, background uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know, her, not only her writing, but her, her work in, in educating uh, related to disability. So we're really excited to have Emma joining us in two weeks and uh, we'll continue to see you here. So I want to thank everybody again for uh, joining us today and look forward to uh, seeing you next time. Thanks so much.